My name is Maurice Maui Goodbeer, and I'm the founder and executive director of an organization called Streetwaves. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, it's all good vibes and good waves coming your way. I got that game that this is why people come to Florida. Being from California, you know, I say this is the California of the East Coast, whatnot. It's just a lot cheaper, you guys. So it's a beautiful thing. But I have Maurice Maui, good beer. What name is that? Royalty is what it is. All just positive vibes. But what he's doing with Street Waves organization here in South Florida is something that I wish we had everywhere in this country for the kids but he's going to give us the game on what he's doing, getting them on the water, not just teaching them how to swim, not just showing them what a boat looks like, letting them work on a boat. And also he has, you know, testimonials of people actually getting work, whether it's lifeguard or other success stories, you guys are about to find out. So Maui, welcome to the show, yes. my bruv. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm feeling great. It's beautiful here in uh, sunny South Florida today. It's about 80 degrees. It's magical to live in such a, an amazing place, you know, in the, in the country. It's it's freezing right now. So I love it here. It's uh, shorts year round. Yes, yes. Well, you know, tell the people and I want to really start with the um, the purpose and the profit part. Because a lot of people say, I'd love to do what you're doing, but, you know, where'd you get your funding to start? You know, who cashed out? Was it Bill Gates or Elon Musk? So give the folks how you began this and you were able to start this with the kids, as well as being able to still be able to pay your bills, sustain yourself, because that's a, the hard part. A lot of people have a hard time when they want to give. They don't know how they're going to live. Right, right. That's a very good point. Um, for me, it was a little bit um, unique in that I founded Street Waves as a promise at my younger brother's funeral. So I'm from San Diego, California, born and raised. Seven generations of my family are from San Diego. So I grew up there in the ocean. When my little brother was murdered in Oceanside, California, by a 16-year-old, excuse me, 15-year-old gang member, I made a promise at his funeral that I would do something to help youth. Uh, and at the time, I didn't know how I would honor that promise. I just knew that I intended to honor it. And so fast forward three years, I, uh, I moved to South Beach, young, in my early mid-30s, single in South Beach, having the time of my life. And I paddled out one day to surf. And this vision came to me. I'm sitting in the lineup by myself. And I hear these noises in the background that sounded like inner city kids talking trash to each other, you know, and it wasn't a familiar sound there, right, in that space. And I looked around and I didn't see any children, but I did in the distance see seagulls playing. And that moment, I knew that I would honor my little brother by teaching inner city kids how to surf. This was in 2000. That moment, Street Waves was born. I went back, talked to some friends, told them this vision that I had in the ocean. 
And uh, one of my friends said, okay, great. So what's the name? And I said, Street Waves, just like that. And it came immediately. And again, that was 15 years ago. And I've never stopped pushing kids in the waves, teaching children how to swim, teaching them about the maritime industry and the marine industry. And for me, it being a promise, nothing is going to stop me from doing this. So with that attitude and that approach, everything, the universe conspires to help this vision move forward. Um, technically, of course, we write grants. Um, we reach out for donations. We have a ton of sponsors, tons of volunteers, and a lot of energy going in the direction because I feel our nation sees the lack of exposure that inner city children have to the ocean. Mm. So, so while doing this, while while doing this, you know, however, you know, in your professional life, whatever you were doing, you just added on, um, you know, did it start with one kid or did it start with a hundred? Because sometimes if you say, hey, I got a program, especially if it's new, maybe it was free, I don't know, or a small donation, you know, you get more than you were um, expecting. Sure, how, sure. How, yeah, how'd that go? Yeah, that's a very good question. So it started off, uh, a friend of mine asked me if I would teach surfing. So he had a small surfing business in South Beach. And he asked me if I teach surf lessons for him. I was known as a good surfer in South Beach from California and everybody wanted to surf and have a good time with me. And so he said, yeah, Maui, do you mind teaching for me? I said, yeah, I will teach for you, but only if I can use the boards on the weekend to teach the inner city kids for free. And he said, okay, I'll do that. So I started teaching tourists and on Saturdays, I would be able to use our equipment to push kids into waves for free. So I had a little income coming from teaching tourists. And then on the weekend, I would donate and dedicate that time to inner city kids. And that was again in 2008. And it has grown you know, astronomically from that point till today. Um, of course, it was all free. It was called um, Saturday Sessions, where we would let kids come and invite children um, a number of different organizations in the community learned about it. They would bring their kids and we would just push them into waves. And we still have to this day people in our organization that stumbled upon us 15 years ago on the beach. We taught them how to swim. So. Wow. Now, I just had some surfers on for a documentary coming out called Wade in the Water talking about how black folks been surfing for hundreds, if not thousands of years. And, you know, the, the, the history people don't know. But one thing, you know, people sometimes say when you say, OK, I'm teaching tourists, they see surfers as, oh, man, surfers are getting high, they're partying, you know, they see the movies. And it's not known as like the place where you're going to go cash out. You know, you're not a millionaire, typically, unless you have sponsors from surfing. So were sponsors and, you know, big, you know, blue bloods that you were training, those, those type of people, was it where the, the pots were already pissed in and you didn't have to worry about money? So you could say, look, I can give the rest of my time or was it a grind? Yeah, so it was really magical. So, of course, I'm teaching tourists, teaching the kids for free on the weekends. And one day I'm out on the beach by myself paddleboarding 
I meet this gentleman and his daughter walking on the beach. And I said, you know, would you guys like to try paddleboarding? Just out of the kindness of my heart, really nice Asian guy and his daughter. And I just thought I'd, you know, be kind to them. Uh, and I did. And I taught his daughter how to paddleboard. We hung out. He took me out to dinner. Lo and behold, this man was a famous brain surgeon. He donated $10,000 to me that night because I told him what my plan was to do for inner city kids. And he said, the reason that I'm going to donate this money to you and to your organization is because I know it's going to be difficult what you're doing in the United States. He supported us for an entire year. Every month, he donated $10,000 to us so that I could stop pushing uh, the tourists into, into waves and start focusing on the children. And the universe has brought so many people um, into what we're doing. And I think a lot of it is just because we've got forward motion, you know, and the children need the work that we're providing. And, and, and I think the universe feels it in a big way. Wow. What a, people, you know, you say a story like that and majority of folks are listening and they're like, where's my person who's going to, that's all I need. It was 10,000. I don't even need the whole year. You know how it is, right? All sure, I need sure, is that. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, I just need that jump start. <laughs> that 10,000 will be like, you know, 10 million. Um, but, but that money goes quick, especially sure. when you, you know, you got kids, you got boards, kids break things. Um, you know, they even can, yeah, you know, course. God forbid, break arms. How did, how did you yeah. deal with like the insurance side? Give the game because one mistake, one thing not covered. And it's like, okay, we don't have an organization anymore because we didn't handle, you know, point A or B. Talk about that. Yeah, well, like, it's very Yes, for sure. It's very important to have yourself insured as much as possible because things can happen and things do happen. We've been very fortunate. I'll knock on some fiberglass here on the boat, but we've been very fortunate um, that we've had very little incidents. I think the, the worst thing that's ever happened in 15 years of teaching surfing uh, is a gal broke her pinky toe trying to show her mom a trick. And so since her mom was on shore, she saw what happened. She knew she wasn't supposed to be doing a certain thing. Um, it was okay. And so, again, I'm not on fiberglass again because that has been uh, by far the worst thing that's ever happened. And we've taught thousands of kids how to surf. So I think a lot of it has to do with the intentionality of what we're doing. Again, I really believe that the universe is conspiring for our success. And um, But, of course, we are insured. We stay insured. Um, and, you know, luckily, um, thankfully, to date, we've not had to, you know, to cash in on any of that coverage. Beautiful, beautiful story. Now, can I got to get this out of the way for people like me who are like, hey, Maui, you're teaching kids how to surf. Um, that getting on that board and staying on it is not an easy thing. How many times do we have to fall off? and go out there and get tired before you know we get some put some respect on the board and we act like we want to do a pinky toe trick too but um you know how, how many times does the average person have to go up fall down before they are actually you know somewhat at least decent whatever that means that's a good question and i think that's relative to where you're learning um how the waves are even that day you know, luckily here in South Florida, in my opinion, it's the best place for inner city kids to learn because it's warm water. It's sandbar beach break predominantly along the southern coast. And 
you know, on a nice small bump, it's easy. You know, it's relatively easy. If you can ride a skateboard, you can surf, you know. Um, if you can ride a bicycle, you can surf. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, your, even your size. Now, what is important is that you're paired with the right equipment, right? So you don't want to be a 200-pound person trying to learn on a six-foot shortboard, you know? <laughs> you want to be on a big longboard. We've even had bigger men on paddleboards, and we're pushing them into waves on a paddleboard because it's big enough to hold their mast. We've had some big basketball players over the years from the Miami Heat come down and volunteer. We're pushing them into the, you know, the big 12 foot long boards, you know, um, it is important that you have the right equipment, you know, and you have to really know wave selection. So one of the things we teach our instructors is how to pick the right wave, how to feel the right wave, how to be connected with the wave as you push the board. So the timing is just right. Um, encouragement is super huge. And one thing that happens with me naturally, you know, when I push someone in the wave and they pop up, I go ballistic every time. It still happens to this day. I've been doing this 15 years and it's like it's the first time for me every single time. Um, I just get that excited and they feel that excitement. They feel that support, you know. And when you're in a situation where you feel safe in the ocean, you know, you trust the people that are around you. Um, their knowledge, their capability, their care and concern for your well-being and your success in the ocean, people are just super relaxed and they pop up and surf anyone. Old people have come out. I want to volunteer, but I also want to try. Come on, let's do it. Old lady crawling up the board, riding to the shore. You know, it happens. It's easy. You know, it really is not difficult. And I think it's important to get that out of your mind. What happens when you're learning in the on the West Coast you know, it's a little bit colder, the water, um, you often have to wear wetsuits, waves are bigger, you know, it's it's bigger water there. So here it's it's pristine, pristine conditions for learning how to surf and catch your first wave. All right. So he's not going to tell you on your hundred try, you, you, you're guaranteed to go up. You just got to got to make sure your core and board is tight. Uh, yes, it, 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 it'll happen for you. You know, just yes. show up. I tell people, show up and we'll show out. <laughs> Man, that's how it that's how it works. And things just work organically, even the way that we met. Shout out to Liz D, who I met at a polo game. You guys have met this woman and we're just talking on our way, headed to the polo game. And I won't give the full story. I'll wait for her to come on. But it was like she told me about street waves in Maui. And I'm like, OK, follow through organically. You know, his 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 unofficial may be publicist, but um, such a such a nice person. Um, but, you know, that that's how things work. Exposure is everything. How did you go from teaching them how to, you know, get on the boards to teaching them how to get on the boats, how to become a lifeguard and, you know, how much time do you then put into the kids because you're, you're giving the game on a lot of stuff that's what's up and that's true uh we are giving them a lot of game and it's really beautiful so when we started reaching out for grant funding the grand tours oftentimes will ask well are you able to tweak your program in this way tweak your program in that way to perhaps accommodate different children or accommodate different disciplines so we have a local foundation that supported us for the last seven or eight years. And initially they asked if we would implement swimming in our program. You know, you recall that when we started, we were just pushing kids into waves. It was all about surfing. We do a little bit of swimming in the ocean, but because the kids are tethered to their surfboard with their leash, 
there wasn't really a, a need to really focus on swimming. So uh, the grantor asked if we would. Uh, I said, okay, I'll comply with that. We can do that. And then I became in, uh, introduced into this entire world of non-swimmers and the history of swimming in our country. Um, and so as we began teaching swimming, our eyes opened in a big way. Uh, we were invited to the International Swimming Hall of Fame. At the time, the president was Bruce Weigo, who wrote a book called The Golden Age of Swimming. It's a powerful book, but it really does break down the African swimmers and how Africans were recorded swimming back in the 1400s by Chicago that came into Africa and how the Africans would have to swim out to the ships and help them anchor their boats and known as some of the best swimmers on the planet at the time, if not the best. Um, and a lot of that history has been taken away from us. And so when I began to see that because of the Middle Passage, because of slavery, um, we have neglected and protected and rejected our people. And we began teaching swimming and we got really, really good at it. And now in a nine-week program, our organization operates after-school programs. So kids are coming to us after school every day. We're working them very, very, very hard in the water, either it be at local swimming pools or in the ocean doing open water swimming. And we're training them how to swim. We hope that as important as surfing is to me as a surfer, that our greatest takeaway is that these children learn how to swim good. And so because we put that time in, we're getting these results. And I'm very, very proud of one of our students who just passed the ocean rescue test, which is a very difficult swimming test. And I'm so proud of this kid because we knew him as a non-swimmer, coached him into swimming, and now he uh, will be an ocean rescue lifeguard. Um, many of the children are pool lifeguards. They have CPR training. Um, and are, you know, falling into these various different jobs associated with, uh, with the water. So boating uh, came about probably five years ago. Um, one of the things that we do uh, as a fundraiser is we uh, market for boat donations. So a boat can be this great, magnificent luxury, and then it can turn into a nightmare. Uh, because it requires a ton of maintenance. Um, oftentimes people pass away and don't, their family doesn't know what to do with their boat. So they'll donate them to us. Um, the beauty of that is we use them as a platform to teach maritime skills. Also, some of the boats, the children end up living on us. You know, some of these kids are 18, 19 years old. Um, we work with kids from four years old to 24 years old. So if we have a boat that's been donated, a kid that's gotten kicked out of their home, we'll try to make that connection so they can have that opportunity to live aboard which is really a magnificent lifestyle. Um, so the, the opportunities are endless um, for children once we teach them how to swim. I believe that it all begins with swimming. Yeah, man, it's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing because, you know, you get a kid and I think a, a lot of kids, if not all, are at risk no matter where they come from, but especially coming from you know, um, the single parent homes and and just, I mean, America is just interesting how things are right now. It's like the twilight zone. Um, but, but you get them a job as a lifeguard 
which then gives them hope and it gives them leadership. So you don't know what that kid will then be. And if not for that first position, I think about my first job at, you know, 15, 16 years old, it's like, oh, okay, I can do this. So if I can get this job, I can get another job. So man, I, I love to hear that. And congratulations to you. Do you ever get frustrated with organizations like yours you know, having to go play the game of making sure the money and the the, the everything is the eyes are dotted where the government and the community really should be coming to you. And uh, you've been blessed for sure. But it's like I know because of government contracting work we've done, there's tons of money they waste. I mean, they get forty thousand dollars just to create a Twitter and tell you don't make one tweet. <laughs> and, and that forty thousand could have been given to one of your kids who could have did the same work are one of the people in your organization and, and did, do you ever get frustrated and say, Hey man, this is why we have these problems. Like you guys need to fund us even more, not saying you need the funding, but people like you, I know, you know, other people who do what you, you know, do similar things, maybe it's sewing or how do you get yes, frustrated? Yes. Just seeing how, you know, I really, you know, I don't earlier on um, it was kind of a learning curve, right? I mean, I'm coming from, um, corporate America as an entrepreneur um, into this world of now teaching kids my love for the ocean and surfing. So I'm kind of navigating writing grants and this sort of thing. You know, this is many years ago of trying to figure it out. At that space, you know, in time, I didn't really have the energy to be frustrated because I was just learning. Um, but what I did learn that I think can help um, a lot of people that are entering into grant writing, that are trying to do RFPs to put themselves in positions to get funded for their projects and their, their organizations is the understanding of the dynamics of corporate giving, of donations, of grants. And that is that these are things that people want to do, okay? So take, for example, a foundation. A foundation may have uh, a goal of giving away $20 million a year. Let's just say for an example, that's their job, right? So all of their energy is going toward giving this money away, right? So your job is to align yourself with that energy, right? So that all of that energy flows that money to your organization, as opposed to thinking of it as you're handing, you have a handout asking for something, you're actually helping them to achieve their goals, right? Because the money's there, it has to be given away. So you are positioning yourself, sharing your love of whatever your work is with them, you know, to collaborate and work together, right? To achieve the ultimate goal, right? So the mindset has to be that we are working together to achieve a certain goal. And when you can make that shift, and it took me years to make that shift. It took me years to really tweak it to, to, so that I understand that this is something that we're doing together. These are our partners, you know? Um, I became less frustrated with the process. I became more engaged with the process because I know that this is all, all of the energy is going toward this happening, right? It's not mm -hmm. one-sided. It's not me begging for money, right? It's not our organization saying, hey, 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 look at us, right? It's us realizing that there are foundations out there um, we don't do too much with government entities, but government entities, um, donors that that want and need to give these funds. You know, certain donors have 
um, you know, goals of giving away a certain amount of money each year, right? And you want to really showcase uh, your organization to let them know that this is worth giving to. What we're doing here is worth your money because of the work that we're doing. And, and people see it, people feel it. Um, in, our, in our situation, they feel it in a great way and they're, and they're supportive, they're very helpful. Um, even during you know, these uh, strange times that we're experiencing uh, in our country, people are still stepping up to the plate. So I like to look for the good in others and, and, and extract it and pull it because it's in there, you know, uh, it's just a matter of pulling that out as opposed to other things that that other uh, other media sources perhaps may pull up. Gotcha, gotcha. Now you've talked about it this whole time, uh, but let me know, maybe you can tell me what is your community give back that you're doing, which has been mentioned, but I'll, I'll put the twist on it, but maybe a give back that you want to do in the future because your whole life in the last 14 years has been a give back. But what would you like to do, you know, even in the future for the community? If this is Disney World, you got the Disney pin and you can just draw it up. Right, right, right. No, no doubt. I would love to see us grow into a maritime school um, that encompasses all of the work that we have mastered to this point. Um, there are unmentionable amounts of opportunities that exist in the maritime field. Thousands and thousands of different jobs that take place on the water that many of the children and the families in our community and our coastal communities are not exposed to. Uh, another good point is that a lot of these trades are declining with technology. Right. So a lot of the maritime trades in, in fiberglass work, even in offshore fishing, um, you know, I was just in Costa Rica and I was on board this several million dollar fishing yacht with a, that had a four man crew. And these gentlemen's job is to stay with that boat everywhere it goes and help the owner who's a multimillionaire catch fish whenever he wants to. They put that big yacht on a bigger ship, ship it to whatever country he wants to fish in. He flies in for the weekend and fishes. These guys have a full-time job making six figures just to keep that boat clean for when this guy flies in and he wants to decide that he wants to go fishing today. You know, yeah. their job is to make sure he catches fish. It's that simple. And work on the boat. And the boat is in pristine condition, you know. Um, that's the higher end of fishing, right? You look at the mechanical industry and how many parts and moving parts there are on boats and sailboats and yachts. Um, it's just unbelievable from outboard motors to dinghy repair to fiberglass work uh, to engine repair. To I mean, it's just so much. So many careers uh, are available uh, in, in the maritime industry. and they're not really difficult. You know, they're not difficult careers. Um, they're careers that are great for kids that don't have college plans, don't have a college degree. I met a gentleman working on the boat next to us uh, this week. He says, I've been begging people to come work with me. He said, if you have a teenager that you can send me, I'll pay him $45 an hour just <laughs> to help me work on these boats. Why? Because if it has Marine behind it, if it has boat behind it, it's three times more expensive. 
Okay, so on our boat, we have these two big engines. These are car engines, but because they're on the boat, it costs us three times more to fix them, right? So we've had to do it ourselves. We pull the engines out ourselves. The kids learn how to repair these engines, you know, in the boatyard, uh, learning all these different trades from the people on the boatyard. It's magnificent. And uh, there's a lot of maritime schools out there, but I don't see that they're marketing to the audience that we're marketing to. And these are kids that need these type of jobs. Uh, and, uh, and we're providing them the way that we are, but I'd love to see us grow into some type of maritime school. And what will, you, what will you need to be able to do that? Because you never know who's listening, who this will touch. Like, what is it? Just, is it more money? Is it more staff? Is it, you know, the government saying, hey, we're, you know, we can accreditate you and give you this special license. Blah, you know, what, what's the game on that? Well, all of the above, of course, um, and growing capacity. So we've grown capacity. We started off in South Beach, Miami Beach. We've grown along the coast as far as Jupiter. So we now cover three counties. And so our capacity is certainly growing. Uh, it would be um, a matter of writing a business plan for a school and then really hearing our energy in that direction. We do have plans to do that. Um, right now, we're kind of getting a basic understanding um, of what it takes to run a school as we continue to build our maritime program. So the program is going great. Kids are learning a ton. In fact, Liz, you mentioned her. She's uh, helping us work on another boat. Uh, we're completely restoring the boat, right? So we've torn the boat apart. The boat's in the paint shop. The kids are learning how to paint. And everything that we do you know, on these boats is building, building knowledge, building exposure, building experience. So that when these kids go out, um, they can you know, advertise that they know how to do this type of work. Um, there's a ton of money. If you own a boat, you know that it's going to cost you a lot to own it. And, uh, and people are willing to pay tradesmen uh, to do the type of work that needs to be done. So, you know, we'll continue to, to grow our capacity to, uh, to become a school. Um, of course, you know, getting accreditation, um, getting the right support, um, we'll have to, to do that at that time as well. Sure. Well, I definitely see this as something that the community needs to know. I'm a part of the Miami-Dade Chamber, um, and it's the oldest uh, Black chamber in the state. And, you know, the the, the connections there, and I don't, I, you know, we, we're having this whole Black Chamber Day. It's the second time in history that it's happening. It's going to happen in March. But it's, you know, the politicians need to hear stories like yours. So it's stories like this that I like to be able to share to them when we're sitting there lobbying because they they told us last time we were there for the first one, they said, you guys keep coming because everybody comes. We never get to see us or y'all, you know, depending on who the politician is and sure. they need to make sure they know because I know in dealing with government contracting, they can write 900,000 or write you a $9 million earmark if they want, you know, and, but they just sure. have to know who, who we are. And right, um, right. yeah, this, this is, this is, uh, this is great stuff. Now let, let, let's go before I, I wrap up. Do you have a book? Do you have a podcast? Do you have a course that people can learn how you did it in case they're in Kentucky, in case they're in Kenya, Mambo, Kenya, Uhaligani, um, in case they're out there and they say, you know what, I want to get into the brain a little more. I want to tap into how good beer thinks like, you know, anything out there like that. 
Yeah, I really don't actually. Um, I've dedicated myself to working with children. Um, you know, in my brother's memory, I've been asked to write books and do podcasts and things. Um, to date, I have not. Uh, and a lot of it has to do with, you know, why I do this and who I do it for. Uh, I have a great deal of compassion for youth. I, I don't necessarily have that great of a compassion for adults, per se. So this type of information is certainly shared with you. Um, we put them in positions where they learn the work that I do. I put them in positions where they have to do some of my work. So they learn what it takes to write grants, um, what it takes to speak in front of audiences, you know, to share our vision and our, and our goals. Um, but I am interested in it because I do know that if we can expose, you know, the right adults um, to the proper information so they can move their visions to help youth forward, um, that it's ultimately going to help youth. So for that reason, I would, I would be interested, you know, in writing books and doing some podcasts. I know that you know a lot of these skills and uh, are willing to share. So I would like to have that conversation with you for sure. Oh, yeah, well, definitely. I tell you guys the best conversations have have on offline, but, you know, that's just part of it. This is just the, the, the taster and the, the filler. For the other organizations out there, like I've had uh, men to boys out there in Broward County um, on the show, and I actually yesterday spoke um, to some of their youth who were uh, basically the kids on probation in the system already or, you know, um, coming out. Can organizations like that bring their kids to you, which is kind of like, oh, no, don't do that because the money's in the kids. But for folks who really have a love for the kids, can they come and say, look, we have these kids, too. And can we all partner? And can we bring our kids to you? Because you're doing something that I would bet a lot of money nobody else is doing that looks like you in South Florida. Period. No, you're right. You're exactly right. And absolutely, we partner with a great number of organizations uh, to expose the children that they're working with to the ocean. And uh, we've been doing that since the very beginning, since the Overtown Youth Center uh, in 2008 and various other organizations, um, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, um, Boys and Girls Club. I mean, there's just, we're very open to accepting children that are already working within organizations doing certain things and giving them this experience. In fact, um, we do a free uh, summer surf camp every year. We set up on the beach for six weeks and we offer surfing completely for free. Um, organizations come and they bring their children and we, we get them in the waves. We teach them, about, you know, surfing is the introductory to the ocean. It's what we use to bless the children with an opportunity to actually fall in love with the ocean because once you fall in love with the ocean it's over you know it's game over it's it's a it's a beautiful uh lifestyle because you're going to always want to be near the ocean you're going to care about the ocean and the ocean needs all of us right now you know when we consider the the amount of waste that is being dumped into the ocean um whether it be hydrocarbons plastics the ocean needs all of us right now and we are creating these children that are falling in love with the ocean and caring for it you know in a big way so um yeah we absolutely welcome outside organizations to partner with us for sure 
Uh, we're partnering right now with uh, Pelagic Offshore Fishing Gear. We have a program that takes kids and cops offshore fishing on this boat. It's a very, very special program. What's cool about it is the children are exposed to law enforcement in a setting where they're catching massive fish, right? And a, a luxury fishing experience. Um, it's not like fishing on the bank or fishing on a little small lake boat, you know, with cops. It's kids having real conversations with law enforcement about, you know, what do I do if I get pulled over, you know? And, and, and the cops saying, hey, you know, it's really important that you just comply, you know? And when they have cops that look like them and cops that don't look like them and they're getting this information fed to them, you know, it's super beautiful. And then when the cops are hearing the voice of the youth and the youth are becoming more humanized, right? Um, the cops are, you know, beginning to let their guards down and beginning to realize that this is just a kid, you know? And when we interact with each other on the streets, you know, I'm going to treat them like that, you know, like my little brother, like like a nephew. And so that's the idea that we are trying to create uh, with that program and it's working. And, and, you know, what you said is so important because you remember the old school show cops, bad boys, bad boys, what you going to do. And you, you know, as a kid, I'm watching and you, people are running and cop gets them. Why are you running? I was scared because Absolutely. people are, conditioned to be scared of the police and sometimes the police are be conditioned to be scared of the public and it's like when you i mean my 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 my, my people work for the law enforcement and all that my mother worked for a police department my my aunt worked for a police department my uncles who you know i mean before we were even alive we were told so but so you you if you're like wor worried about the police for what that's my uncle, uncle or aunt or whomever. It's different than somebody who never had that exposure right, right, right. and just sees a gun and a badge. Maybe somebody who, you know, cool. harmed them or somebody that they know or heard a story, you know. So it's it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. Right, right. Is any of the programs, just so we're clear for people, um, any of the programs, do they cost anything because you've said a lot of free 99 which will have people's behind running down but just want them to know <laughs> because at least you guys can have a donation ready to go you know <laughs> that's a very good question so what i found in street waves our mission was to be able to provide these services absolutely free of charge so we don't charge for any of our services for youth now if you're an adult you want to learn how to surf. We have some of our students that can make a little extra money teaching you how to surf, right? Um, but for youth from the age of four to 24, every service that we provide is absolutely free, including food and transportation. Wow. Those are the two most important caveats. Um, and, you know, one of the things that I've learned over the years is, you know, they come for the swimming, but they stay for the food. And we feed them really, really well. We make sure that when they come to Street Waves, they know they're going to eat extremely well and food that they really, really like. Um, it's a give and take. You know, I don't want to, you know, put kids in the ocean, put kids in the pool, work them really, really hard and not feed them really, really good. And I found that when we feed them really, really good, they come back and they get stronger. They're eating healthy food. They're getting stronger. 
and they're excited to come back and they're telling their friends, man, we go to streetways, bro. We get eating chicken wings. We get all kind of healthy food. We eat fruit. We do, you know, and they show up and we, we show out, bro. We have a great time, man. We have a really good time. So yes, absolutely. Everything is completely free. It's important for us that it's free. You know, we feel that as neglected as people of color have been in this country to the water, um, they deserve these opportunities for free. So it's my job to make sure that our organization can afford to provide these, these services for free. And we will continue to provide these services for free. You guys have been blessed by the game. I, if you're thinking like I'm thinking, yeah, let's all just flood CNN heroes and, you know, Florida heroes, diversify game heroes. Maybe I got to make that right. Um, and, and make sure you put Maurice Maui good beer on there and show them this interview, show them the website, which the links will be in the description. You guys, whether you are listening or more and more of you all are watching. So let that algorithm switch. Let it be healthy. It's all good game. Maurice, let them know any last words and where they can find you. And and I thank you for coming on, my bro. Bless. Yeah, definitely. Uh, For all the viewers, I just want to really emphasize the importance of learning how to swim. If you do not know how to swim, Uh, it's said that if your grandparents don't know how to swim, you are 50% more likely to die by drowning if your grandparents don't know how to swim. Um, One in every five African-American children will die by drowning. Meaning that if you have your European-American counterparts, you're five times more likely to drown. And so it's super important. It opens up a complete world of opportunities by just learning how to swim. Um, obviously, you know, my love is surfing in the ocean. If you get a chance to go surfing and learn how to surf, it'll bless your life in a major way. Um, you can find us at streetwaves.org. You can learn more about what we're doing. If you're in the South Florida community, please reach out to us. We have a big heart for getting youth into the ocean uh, and teaching them our love for the ocean. So definitely reach out. You guys have been blessed by the game. Now it's your turn to make sure you share this with someone else. It will change their life. Y'all be blessed. I started Street Waves this year. I've been getting a lot of first experiences. I got to help fix a boat and I got to drive a boat. I got to go on water. I got to swim and meet a lot of new people. Uh, I've been looking at like how to swim and stuff and fixing the boat and stuff. Working with the team, like we're all friends and we all can communicate with each other. That's I, I like that a lot. Um, the fact that we're all working on a boat together, it's, it's really good. My name is Maui Goodbeer. I'm the founder and executive director of Street Waves. Uh, we've been around since 2008. Uh, we started off as a swimming and surfing organization and we've just kind of grown. Uh, over the past uh, couple of years, we've gotten more into uh, maritime career training, maritime opportunities, uh, offshore fishing. And uh, so we're here today at Morel Marine, where they have been super, super, super kind to donate some of their space for us to work on our boat. So for the last month and a half, two months, we've been in the boat yard working on the boat. Um, and our boat is called Moby. Uh, MOBI stands for Maritime Opportunities for Black Youth. Uh, It's our gift to them, 
to give them an opportunity to explore the ocean, to learn about maritime careers, and understand the opportunities uh, that take place in the blue economy. And the kids learn so much during that process of how the engine works, how the fluids go through the engine. Uh, the engine is cooled by salt water and fresh water uh, coolant. And uh, we just learned a ton uh, working on the boat every day for that period of time. Since that time, we have installed a tuna tower that will assist in going offshore. Uh, we have a program that takes uh, kids and cops offshore fishing through a partnership with FPL and the United Way. And uh, that's been going really, really great. We're really excited to invite law enforcement on board our vessel to, uh, to fish with us. Being in the yard, we've met some amazing boat painters and fiberglass workers and engine mechanics and all of these various different careers that are extremely lucrative. And the blue economy worldwide is a multi-trillion dollar industry. And these children who live in a coastal community should know as much as possible about it. And it really boils down to being exposed to it. And so that's our goal, is to expose the children to it. Uh, it's our motto that the water will do the work. And so we just get them in the water safely, and we let that relationship between themselves and the ocean develop on its own. It really all starts with swimming. I mean, swimming opens a world of opportunity like nothing else. And it's so simple. In a nine-week program, these children go from non-swimmers to good swimmers. They continue to swim, and they become great swimmers. We bus them to the ocean, we bus them to the pool, we bring them to the boat yard when we need to repair, we bring them to our boat, and we get in the ocean. We stay wet at Streetwise for sure. Marina is my life now. I mean, it all started off with swimming. I didn't know how to swim before, but now that I know how to swim, now I'm a lifeguard, and now I have the entire whole bunch of doors open for me, and I'm so proud of that. So at first I was a participant and then I slowly I began helping out more and then I became a lifeguard and I was able to help teach at the camp and become a coach and I got another certification so now I can work anywhere uh, as a lifeguard in Broward County. It's really important for us to reach out to children from underserved communities because oftentimes for cultural reasons, for social reasons, they're missing out on something that we feel is their birthright, being born in this environment. If we look along the coast uh, and other parts of the world, we see that the people that live in coastal communities are connected to the ocean. It's their life source, and it really is ours as well. I wanna get into marine biology and hopefully like taking pictures of like creatures like deep in the water. Um, so we really wanna focus uh, on continuing for kids to learn to swim growing our organization along the coast so that kids are surfing along the coast that wouldn't normally be seen in the water. Kids are swimming along the coast that normally wouldn't have learned how to swim, which is such an important life skill. Uh, and being able to have them exposed to the ocean by boat. Uh, it's, uh, it's a life-changing experience and we want them to have it.